I mean, we got to begin with, you know, the story of you, I think it was our first or second conversation. And uh, I seen the video on Zoom and my son walked by in the back and he just got your shirts from Custom Inc. And he's walking around super excited. It's a new brand. He loves drone first video production. It's black with white. It's all cool looking. And I was like, wait, Grace, these are one of your shirts. So anyway, that's that's a little micro moment of, of how kind of destiny works its way out and the impact that you guys create. He was, uh, you know, easy experience and uh, was a piece of cake. But listen, Grace, first, welcome to the show. I'm really excited to have you. I'm so excited. And I think even after 11 years of being at Custom Inc., those stories still still hit me in a spot that I I like never quite understand the impact of of what it's like to have something of your own brand or like bringing your own people together and watching people wear the apparel we've helped them create is just magic and I think I'll never get I'll never get tired of hearing those stories and I'm so excited that you got to experience it firsthand yeah, and, and you've been a part of Custom Inc. for quite some time. It's all, almost 11 years now, correct? Yeah, it's uh, several digits. It's still one of those moments where I go, how has it been that long? And also, it feels like no time at all. Yeah, I, I can imagine. So, Grace, your perspective will be from a change management. In fact, you and I are going to take on this tiny little question that we came up with, which is how do we translate transformational change to hyper-personalized communication. In the context of our audience, we are still in season two, right? The overarching question continues to be what is the future of people initiatives, but we are now focusing a bit more on how do we consumerize the employee experience. And more and more, we're discussing it in the context of two dots. One dot is data on one hand side, and all the way on the other is a nudge. Not saying it ends with a nudge or the nudge is the silver bullet, but I think the jury is out at this point. If we don't bite size and make our communication super relevant and personalized, we have no shot of getting through the noise. And um, Grace is going to help us not focus on a specific part of the journey, which is, let's think, performance management or onboarding. We're going to apply a lens across, in my view, the experience, which is anytime serious change is taking place within the organization. And um, where I'd like to begin is really, let's define. Let's just think about defining because transformational change. What, is it, what, what does it mean? How do we know the type of change we're looking at is transformational? Oh, that is a great question. And I think a hard one to answer, especially nowadays, I, the amount and the degree of change is accelerating at a pace that uh, I think for the first time, as humans we're starting to understand is is un, unusual for us and that's that's something we're experiencing in our own lives and that not absent from our lives at work and when you think about the idea of transformative change like look what the pandemic did to our society and how that influenced our workplaces our lives and, and transformation is happening all around us, right? And as humans, we strive for a sense of stability. Like we need to know something 
is going to remain the same. And I think we've always looked to our workplaces as a place to provide that sense of stability. And the reality of the fact is our workplaces are transforming just as fast as the rest of the world. And we have to figure out as as leaders of those organizations how to help care for the people inside of our orgs going through that transformation well. And, and transformation could be described, to answer your question, as anything that moves from one state to another. But that's wide open. So when you're talking about transformation, it could be the entire organization is transforming or it could be that this team is transforming. And when you talk about change at an individual level, individuals don't see those as two separate things. They directly impact them. And so therefore they are big. And sometimes the really big transformative change feels too big for the individual. They don't know how to make sense of it. They don't know what role they play in that. And, and leaders of change inside the organization are really responsible for making that uh, a reality for them to operate in at times of, of uncertainty and ambiguity and, and, and transformation. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. And, and I think I'm guilty of the following two things on both sides as we think about change. One, as a leader, I know that often I haven't done a good job to communicate it, right, for various reasons, but one of them being I don't, sometimes I don't know enough. And when you start to communicate, you're really concerned if you're ha sharing a partial story. But then there is the other side of being on the receiving end of change. Most people default to, let's think about the worst case. Whatever piece of information that's coming at them, what's the worst? You could even say, hey, there's change coming. Am I going to lose my job? Are we shutting down? Or are we are we like what? And then we're going to go to worse, worse cases. Let me prepare myself for where that could go. Right. Do, do, do you think the same? Do you see the same reactions or the same way of thinking in, in the general as, as you approach change? Oh, my gosh. You just nailed, I think, the the wide span of human response to change. Uh, yes. Like your your natural response to change has to be has to be worst case scenario planning, right? Because you have to anticipate what you've got to plan for as an individual. And especially in times of change in the workplace, right? Those decisions about change are out of your control. So you have to plan for how do I, how am I going to navigate that? And it's going to be like, well, the worst thing that I could think of is my reality. And that's what the perception is. So being a leader of change on the other end of the thing is that the, the true answer is in this state, of, of operating you as a leader will never have all the answers. But what you can focus on are what are the answers this team will need in order to navigate the change, right? You're going to need their help. Especially large organizations, you're going to need the help all the way down to your front line to make that transformation a reality. And, and the broad strokes of it are that you're never going to have the answers and you're going to learn things along the way. So that leaves a, a huge wide window between those two experiences, right? Your, your front line is going to be looking at you as a leader being like, we need you to have all the answers because we don't. And then as a leader, you're going to say, I don't have all of the answers and I need your help to find them. And, and that's a very... That's a very difficult space to operate in at the pace of change that's happening. And uh, and I think part of being a leader of change is recognizing that at the end of the day, we are all human. So our, our human and emotional responses are 
are things that will happen. And the better that you can be as a leader at recognizing those and guiding people through those emotions and creating space for them and recognizing them and caring for them, the more your people are going to trust in those times where you don't have all of the answers because the genuine sense is that they trust that you will care for them through the transformation. Totally. And, and let, let, let's just go there. I mean, let, let's talk about when, when we discuss consumerization, which is the reorientation of the product or service around the user, in this case, reorientation of change management to what it means for them, right? Hyper-personalization. So what, what is our North Star? What are we trying to do? Is It seems to me that we're trying to answer the question of what you as an organization, based on what you know today, the thing you're talking about, the change you're discussing, what does it mean to me? How is it going to impact my life? And if you don't know, that's okay. What do you know at this stage? And, and if you will know later, when will you know? Give me some peace of mind so that I can put a stake in the ground to say, this is what we know today, what it means specifically for me. Not the entire organization, not the entire department, maybe not the function, maybe not the team. What does it mean to me? Is that our North Star? I think uh, it has to be to a degree, right? The individual is going to look for answers so that they can make the best choice for themselves, right? And the answer is large transformative change is really big and really messy. And the best way to navigate that as a leader so that you can translate that to the individual experience is to paint a really clear picture of what that will look like at the end to the best of your ability, right? Like if you can help articulate for them what it will look like when we get there, then that means that at the individual level, you can then begin messaging and communicating and guiding to help them uncover what their role in that looks like. And then when you do that really well, the individual can see that transformation happening without you telling them that it is. And that's what true change management does, right? It helps lay a very strong foundation for you to launch from and then plans your points along the way to help bring your people with you. Whether that's you just need them tracking with the overall transformation, whether you need them to play a role in that transformation, whether they are no longer a part of that transformation, All of those things, if you don't consider them when you begin the journey, leaves you essentially lost at waypoints. Like the best way that I could describe it is change management is like change management is like laying railroad tracks. Like you could build station to station, but if you know you need to get from point A to point B, then you can pre-map out your waypoints along the way, right? And then you're not abandoning people. At, at at station points or like leaving them waiting longer, wondering what's going on. The idea is that if you can bring people, then the smoother the experience. It doesn't mean that things aren't going to go perfectly or things aren't going to fall apart or things aren't going to work the way that you intended. I think that's just a nature of change, like best laid plans. But laying some plans at least allows you to, to stay connected along the way. And that's what your people need. They need you to help them understand where they are in that journey like how close are we how far away are we what is our next 
point in time. And I think that leads into adapting a new mindset. You and I discussed some of what we call the people initiative pillars that we extracted from season one. And one of those, what we talked about moving away from the current state or past state being reactive to being deliberate, providing deliberate care. Right. It isn't any longer about, hey, you know, we've got this thing happening. How do we wait until there's a problem? When we see a problem, then we jump in. Instead, we're saying, okay, maybe let's learn how we think about it as customers and how we as customers experience brands. They don't wait for us to get pissed or upset. They don't wait for us to wonder. They get ahead of it. They're saying, hold on. If I put myself, if I have the empathy for that person, put myself in their position, what would I want to know? What would I want to be communicate? How would I want someone to communicate with me? So Grace, thinking about deliberate care and maybe pulling people out of the tactics, because I think there's a lot of tactical thinking. How do you view these things? I think about it largely in how do you enable both parts of the equation? You need folks to lead the conversation and you have folks that are receiving the conversation and the best way to navigate change is the dialogue in between but if you have leaders who have to plan every tactical point of down to who we're having conversations with and what time and what do I need to create my own materials do I need to go craft my own messaging do I need to have my own development plans if you're asking them to carry the burden of doing all the work then there's no room left for the dialogue. And the same thing on the other side, if you haven't prepared the receiver of the conversation to have the space to think or the resources to to process with, then both of those parties are going to come to the conversation unprepared. And it's going to become a space of dissatisfaction. And so the way that we look at it at Custom Make, and I do this a lot with my partner, Jordana Cole, who is an amazing talent and development, I think think wizard, she's just brilliant, is how do we enable both parts of those conversations to happen really, really well? And it's a lot of where change management comes into play. Like, how do you prepare to care for your leaders to remove some of that burden and give them the right tools and resources and elasticity to like navigate where that particular individual might be? And then how do you pre-prepare the individual to help them explore what they might need out of that conversation? So when those two forces are coming together, they're having a hyper-individualized, tailored conversation based on that individual's need. You don't need to have the answers. You just have to create the right environment for it to happen. And if you can think about that in large organizations happening, it's like little fireworks going off all over the place, right? I feel as an individual now that although this thing is bigger than me and I may not understand it, I have a space and a place where I feel seen and I feel heard and I feel cared for and I have a sounding board to plan next steps or share ideas. And that's where the hyper-individualization comes in. It's not that we have to have all of it answered. You just have to create the right environment for it to happen. And that's magic and it doesn't happen by accident. That That is intentional planning. That is intentional thought. That is intentional. It's just intentionality, period. There's a lot of intentionality that goes into creating these spaces to happen. And, and really what you end up with is a team member who feels heard and a leader who felt like they were prepared as best as possible to lead in the way that's individualized to them, right? They're not 
reading a script. They're not parroting things. They've been enabled to have a really great conversation based on the way that they like to lead. Well, let's take the intentionality and think about in the context of how it shows up as a communication, right? And you and I talked a lot about nudges. And we said, you know, again, not saying that's the only way to communicate, just looking at it from that perspective, how to show up in the right place at the right time to help set the environment for magic to to take place in in your words. And in that, um, before we get into hyper-personalization, there's the question of thinking about it in audience perspective, right? One of the audiences you already alluded to, perhaps the most important for us to enable, not most important in the company, but the one to focus on enabling are managers because managers help to define the experience. So how do you think about this in a future of people initiatives kind of state uh, in in terms of thinking about audiences within internal internal audiences? Yeah, I think about this every day. And I'm really excited by the potential for this space. Uh, You know, just thinking back on my career, even six years ago, the tools for enabling internal communications were so archaic, almost, you know, you're really heavily reliant on your internet platform, which was information knowledge based and your email systems, which again, are, are creating a lot of, you know, one way, maybe back and forth dialogues and the transformation of technology in this space over just the last couple of years I think the pandemic as rough as it was for you know our society and for our businesses really threw the doors open for internal communications like the idea that communicating with your organizations in times of incredible transformation was like an aha moment was both wonderful and hilarious to watch because if you were an internal communicator you knew this from the beginning but and then it was a little bit overwhelming the amount of 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 power that was put into powering technology and and things forward I think my inbox blew up with like more and more companies saying check out this thing we've created and I think that it's gonna transform the way that we can talk to our team members and You and I had really great conversation about this in our pre-call, just like the idea that we could have data about our team that allowed us to truly understand the, the multiple unique facets of our organization. Organizations are complex hives of people and that the more and more we integrate in digital spaces, the, the less we, we separate those parts of ourselves. We are, are seeing people truly begin to bring multiple parts of their lives to the workplace. I am so excited about this new generation of, of folks coming into the workplace. They're so energetic. They have really great ideas. And also they don't have a lot of tolerance for you know the spins and they want clarity and they want answers and and just I'm just a really big fan of their email sign offs like they're hilarious and but you bring those personalities to the workplace and so we start to see ourselves in that workplace as these complex individuals and the way that we want to receive information from our our employer is the same way we want to receive information in the real world that we get to choose and pick how we interact with these spaces and how it's delivered to us and how we want to interact with it. And that's not typically how it's been. It's been one way from the org to me as an individual with some sometimes sense of being able to talk back. And I think that as organizations start to leverage data and analytics and analysis to better understand the complexity of their people and can really understand who they are and what the demographic makeups are, then these 
that's where like those two pieces come together. The data and analytics of understanding your people and the technology that can power you talking to them. You can then begin to target messages to people in the best way that they can receive it. And what an unlock, right? Not only are you meeting them where they are, but they would have the opportunity to choose how they want to be interacted with. And you are clearing out an intense amount of noise, which means that when you're talking to them, you are talking to them with intentionality. That I goes, I see you, I understand what you need from me as your employer, and here's what I need from you, and here's the way that we're going to package it so that it's best received and digested for you. And think about how powerful that is for our demographics who need it, for our neurodiverse, for our, you know, the different abilities that happen in the workplace, like being able to meet them where they are, to make them as successful as they possibly can be in the workplace, I think would revolutionize the way that we work entirely. I'm right there. I'm right there with you. So so I'm going to do just a quick disclaimer because there are two sides to this coin and I want to make sure that we are conscientious. There is the side of how much is too much in terms of data. Governance, big brother, you and I are on the same page. I also want to say this new generation brings a lot of excitement and a lot of challenges. The attentions, there's so many things for our audience, I'm just letting you know that we're not purposefully having a balanced discussion of the coins. I'm acknowledging that side. Grace and I both see it. Instead, we're choosing to focus on this side in this moment. I was just I was just on a call right before where I said, hey, look, idea I'm about to present. First, let's talk about why it's good. And then let's beat the crap out of it. But let's keep those two separate so we don't convolute. It's not like I'm saying there's only good things here. So Grace, if you don't mind, we're going to stay on the side of why it's exciting. Yes, I would love, I would love to also, if you, if you end up doing it, hear a podcast about the dark side of data, because like, while I'm a, a communicator at work and I love the power that data gives us to help me uh, do what's best for our people, there is that, that danger that too much is too much and like how, and, and people while they're more willing to share parts of themselves at work, also want the choice in what gets shared about themselves at work. Like, you know, there's a cultural, I think, transformation happening right now where, you know, a decade ago, data was not an issue because we didn't really fully understand it. And signing up for free platforms and interacting, we were like, yes. And now there's, a, there, you know, there's more awareness, there's more knowledge, there's more, and that comes into the workplace as well like there the i think the the biggest takeaway is whatever your people are experiencing in the real world outside of work they are going to bring with them to work and you cannot ignore that that is a reality that you're operating with let's just go straight there and compare an experience so now i get on netflix and it's giving me recommendations and maybe years ago i would have ignored it all of a sudden you go hmm I'm kind of curious because they they, they, they they look at my patterns. They look at my behavior. Does it creep me out? Definitely. Am I still on board to consider them? On, it, it, we're going there anyway. Now, in the organization, instead of that being a movie to watch and, and binge and kill some time, the question is of my learning and development. I want to grow. Oh, you want to grow? Why don't you click on this link that you need to go find in your email? Yeah, yes, username and password, don't worry about it. You can reset it if you need to. And welcome now into the ocean. 
you can search it by this, by this, by that, by function. And uh, here are the videos. We're so helpful to you that we've catered a library of videos of endless hours for you to sit there and go through these videos on your own. Have a, have a good day. Good luck. We're interested in your learning and development journey. What, how do you reconcile those two experiences, especially for the generation that's growing up right now, looking forward to seeing ads because they see that ads understand them? I just decided my children are uh, nine and 10 and uh, their ability to identify when they are being marketed to is remarkable. I would have never been able to do that at their age. And it's just parenting in this in this digital generation is is fascinating. I'm take a I take a lot of my of my learnings as a parent into work and realize that there's a lot of distinct nuances there. But the other part of that is is to answer your question. I mean, to truly answer your question about your know, learning and development is similar to outside of the office the sheer amount of information out there is overwhelming. And as an individual outside of work, you can pick and choose what interests you, what in you know, there's no there's no risk there. You can learn and you can fail and you can pick things up and put them down. But at work, like there's a expectation right when you pick something up, there's a level of commitment that needs to come out of that. And I and to and to help people understand that is to really help them dial in that message from the organization. What is important to us as an organization to further our vision, our mission, our bottom line, whatever is most important to your organization? And how do you get your people rallied around tapping into new and exciting potentials for themselves that can help the organization do that? Well, you do that by offering resources that they can navigate and you, you give them the time to use those resources, but then you enable your leaders to help them have the right conversation. So it goes all the way full circle back to that conversation that we just had around enabling both parts to have that magic space. And and part of that is a level of understanding your team so that you can curate it enough to clear some of the noise out of the way, providing tools and resources to enable the right conversations to happen, and then organically letting that interaction lead the way. Totally agreed. So, so Grace, let's, let's take this uh, back to where we began. We said transformational change to hyper-personalized. I mentioned the roadmap from a data to a nudge on the other side. When we think about data, you and I keep coming back to deeper understanding of our people, deeper understanding, which comes from more data, subject to the dark coin, side of the coin, putting that aside, and we're not talking about collecting more data, but we're asking the question of what data do we have? So do we now bring together their, you know, HR data? So we understand the role and location. Do we then bring in their collaboration data? So we see, are they stuck on an island? They're not communicating with anyone. They're working from home. Imagine change if you haven't talked to anyone in your organization for a week and you're in your own little silo. Do we then introduce potentially the question of wellness and days off? Are they sick? Like what, how do you think about the breadth of data that you would want to unite in order to better understand the, the humans receiving the change? Oh, that's such a good question. So I'll try to answer it in the way that I think about it and that I, I use data to help me answer some preliminary questions. So the idea is if this change is happening, I'm going to want to know who is impacted, how are they affected, 
what is their current experience, and where do we need them to be by the end of that change. And what that does is it answers enough of the questions that we can start to break this big change down into chunks, right? You can kind of understand how these groups of people may move through change. And you should make room and allowances for human experience and the change curve and like all that wonderful data and research that helps us understand how to navigate through it. But the idea is that you cannot expect a complex and diverse organization to experience change in the same way. And that the data is designed to help you understand what those differences might look like so that you can plan for them, right? Your sales org will need different tools, resources, and messaging points than your HR org or your fulfillment org or your tech org. And that's because they have fundamentally different jobs, interactions, day-to-day responsibilities and deliverables. And you shouldn't make your change broad. Your change narrative and change vision should be unifying, but it should never be all-encompassing for everyone because that, at the end of the day, is not how change happens inside of the org. So using data allows you to get closer to what those big chunks of change might look like. And then you just continue to break it down smaller and smaller and smaller until you're getting to the individual level. And none of this is going to be perfect, right? A part of that is like how you enable and how you plan. But what data allows you to do is get close enough so that change can become digestible. And transformative change is not digestible. It is big. It is unclear sometimes it's it's setting on a a journey that you actually don't know what the destination will be but you know you want to you want to get there one day and and part of that is really understanding what are the outcomes of that change and then when you know the outcomes so you know your you know relative end point when you're breaking those chunks down around how you're making change smaller and more and more digestible and more workable then you can actually use those chunks and the way that you need those different parts of your org to track to build your change plan and then you uh, individualize and customize those messages along the way for those that will experience it and you leave enough flexibility that you're going to take a good guess at the beginning and you're going to learn along the way how they're actually experiencing it. Because if you bank too much on the fact that you know, then you're probably going to push a narrative that you don't want. And you and I talked quite a bit about comparing this to marketing approaches where you're testing, A, B testing, you're iterating, you're seeing what resonates, or maybe even based on the feedback mechanism, you can you can do more audience segmentation to understand that these folks are not as engaged in change or early on. I'll give you an example. Um, we were having really difficult year time years ago, and um, runway was limited within the organization. So I began to share with the team. One of my values is over communication, and it works for people like me and others that value that and appreciate that. They said this is amazing. We've never seen that before. And then there are others who don't like that, who do not want that top of mind, that do not want to be reminded of the challenges every week 
and and at nauseum, if you will, uh, and and they would say, well, let's not let's just let's just put this behind the scenes and let's focus on what needs to get done. And and when you have bad news for me, then you give me that bad news. So now when you think about change management and you are A-B testing and you're seeing the responses, you can now say, well, this is part of this audience and I'm not being practical right now. This is broad strokes. How would you know? Now you got to get into call to actions. Now you got to look at patterns and signals within how they're engaging with your communication. But we're introducing an entirely new frontier, a brave new world, if you will. External audiences, how we communicate is mature. It's sophisticated. There are tools, there are degrees, there are teams. There is the UI, UX, the data, product. There is a, you know, I'm a marketing content. I perfect images. I do video. There's a whole thing, a humongous internally, like you said, all of a sudden in the last couple of years, this whole new world opened up. So Grace, for those who are listening, whether they are in change management or they're in L&D, HR, operation, tech, whatever function they're in, they're agents of change. They're waking up or they've been awake and they're now seeing momentum and wind behind their sails to say, all right, all right, let's do something differently. What advice would you give them to continue their journey to think about consumerization of the employee experience for deeper understanding, for meeting people where they are? I guess my, my advice comes in, in two parts that I think change makers or change leaders and communicators of the organization have a unique role to play in that you're a translator. You're a translator between you know, business strategy and outcomes and goals to the individual everyday experience. And a part of that requires you to wear a lot of hats. It helps you, you have to understand both the business aspect and the team member aspect, and you have to help translate between the two. And a part of it is when you're looking at the cusp of innovation and technology, it's get excited about what's out there and explore and really understand the breadth and the depth of the, of the field and the technology and the things that can empower you to become better at those things while also recognizing the culture and values of your organization. Because choosing a tool or a resource or technology that's great for you as an innovator or communicator who really truly understands the discipline of what you're trying to do can be really exciting. But if you don't do your you know, your, your legwork or your homework on, is this the right match for us, for my people, for their experience, for how they want to come to work and experience communication or change, then you'll just, I think, could, could make it worse. And that's uh, a delicate balance and a change in itself, right? The way that you communicate is a transformative change. And None of this comes with easy answers, but I think holding the values of your organization and the values of your people at the forefront of how you communicate, of how you design change, of how you lead, and, and all the tools and technology you select to do that is has got to be your number one priority or else whatever else you're doing, it won't matter because you won't be representing the people that you have to translate for. You didn't drop the mic the first time, so you should do it now. That's the perfect moment. Now you're like, well, I don't need this mic. There, boom, done. 
Grace, this has been a, a lot of fun. Thank you for joining. Thank you for sharing your brilliance. Thank you for uh, the advice you're giving to the audience and welcome to the movement. I, I hope we continue the, this conversation beyond this podcast and as we progress into conferences. And I know you and I spoke about potentially speaking engagements, but Grace, uh, thank you. Oh, I am so excited to come and, and talk about this stuff. You know, it's nice to chat with people who also think about these things all day, every day. There's just wonderful, fascinating puzzles and putting people at the center of it is, I think, a, fan, a fantastic revolution of the way that we work. And so I'm happy to be, happy to be here. Thank you for the space to talk about what we do and how we do it and happy to chat more. Awesome. Over and out, guys.